Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Is the verbal I love you enough for somebody to know that they're loved? Um, most men think it should be. I mean, most men, they think, I told you I love you when we got married. I told you on our wedding day I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know down the road. But, you know, for most men, you know, uh, one good I love you should last for, what, at least a good 10 years, you know, uh, or give or take. Um, we, you know, we love, or we say we love chicken wings, uh, chocolate cake, a purse, a pair of shoes. There are a lot of things that we, we associate the word love with, and in fact, verbally, uh, verbalize that in front of others. I love this, love that. There's nothing evil or wrong with that. But is that enough? And does that adequately and accurately express love? Well, this text today in, in uh, 1 John chapter 3 has something to say about that. Um, join me, if you will, with, in verse 11, and we'll read down through uh, verse 24 together, down through the end of the chapter. But this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And anyone who hates a fellow believer is a murderer. And you know that no murderers have eternal life in them. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know we belong belong to the truth and how we set our hearts in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who keep his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know by the spirit he gave us. Um, Three times in this text. Excuse me. Three times in this text, you'll see the phrase, this is how we know. You know why that's there? So you can know, this is how we know. <laughs> this is how we know something. This is how we, we can nail something down to be true, and we can bank on it every time, ten times out of ten. This is how we know this to be true. So many times in a believer's life, the enemy gets a foothold because we're confused. We don't get love. We don't understand it. We don't get affection. We don't understand it. We don't get walking with Christ. We don't understand it. We don't get relationships in church. We don't get how we're supposed to function in our workplace. We don't, we don't get how our lives should be prioritized around the plans and designs and dreams God has for us. We don't get a lot of things. And it's because of this confusion that the enemy creeps his way in and step after step after step. And as I always say, it's always incremental with him. It's never drastic. But incrementally, he, he lets this confusion bring about, you know what? I'm never going to get it. 
I'm never going to get it. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll learn to, to be satisfied and be appeased by my own presence of understanding. And that's as far as I'll ever go. And I'm cool with that. And most believers have settled on the things they know about God, about love, about relationships because of that. So he tells us here, I want you to know this. I want you to get this. As I shared with you as we started this study in 1 John, it is really about going back to the basics, John says, and here's some essentials. And today's essential is this. We, we, we looked at, we, well, we first of all looked at the example of John in, in chapter 1 and where he says, follow me. You want a model to follow? You want somebody to look at? You follow my model and look at my model until you find one more godly than mine. You follow the example I'm giving you. And we looked at this first essential of obedience. We looked at the se- second essential in week three of hearing the Holy Spirit. We looked at this third essential last week of knowing our identity, who we are in Christ, whose we are in Him. And then this fourth essential of love doing something, love being active beyond just being verbalized. So he wants us to, 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 to get and understand biblical Christ-like love in this passage. So that's where we're at today. And, and that's, that's hopefully what, what we can glean and take away. I want us to see three things out of this passage today about biblical love. Biblical love is, first of all, uh, biblical love does what's right. It does the right thing. Look at verse 11. This message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. <laughs> Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know we've passed from death into life. Do what's right. Biblical love always does the right thing. It does what's right. Why? What, what is that? I mean, what, what, what does right look like? Well, Cain was offended here, he says in this story. Cain was offended by what? By the righteousness, he says here, by the rightness. Anytime you see righteousness in Scripture, that's literally what it means, rightness, doing the right thing in, in God's eyes, being like him. He was offended by, by Abel's rightness. And so Abel's rightness exposed Cain's wrongness. You see, Cain was not necessarily in, in blatant sin, but his sin was revealed to him by the rightness of his brother. In, in, in contrast to his brother's life, Cain's didn't look very well. And Cain was offended by that. And, and in fact, you know the story, kills Abel, his brother. Because Abel was living a God-like, Christ-like life, and Cain was offended by that. So this moves, this, this idea of loving moves from actions or intent into actions. It moves from something that we say into something that we do. So th- th- this idea here that, that his, his inaction or his wrong action was exposed by Abel's right action or correct action tells us one thing. That if we love passively, there will never be any evidence of the fact that Christ is in us. Passively, by, by, by that I mean sharing verbal stabs of I love you, you know. Um, and probably many of you, if you're hanging up the phone with a loved one, you say, love you, bye. I wish I had a gazillion, I, w- I wish I had a nickel for every time I've heard, I've heard I love you, bye. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing evil with that. Don't stop doing it. <laughs> if, that's the way you, if that's the way you end co- telephone conversations with a loved one, don't stop doing that. But what he's saying here is that's a thin veneer of what real love really is, of what biblical love really is. Biblical love starts to give of itself. Biblical love lives in such a way that, and it's not it's designed to do so, but biblical love lives in such a way that something opposite from that begins to be exposed. You know why this world is tolerant of God but intolerant of Jesus? Because as we expose Jesus, they realize they don't have him. As we expose Christ in, in the marketplace, they realize that's something I don't know anything about. I thought I was pretty good, but I don't know just this Jesus person. So this idea of, of, of love having, having, being an expose, more or less, to say, 
as I live this biblical love in front of you, and as I learn and, 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 and try to grasp how to love like God loves, that's going to expose either your Christ-like love or the inadequacy of your love. And Cain didn't like that because it exposed, it exposed his inadequacy. Um, our culture is good at making victims out of everybody. You ever notice that? Uh, everybody's a victim of something. All right? We're either a victim of our past, we're a victim of our education, we're a victim of, of, of somebody that's offended us, we're a victim of, our, of some failure that we've had. And so it's never our fault. It's never, it's never a situation where society says, why don't you take responsibility for yourself? Our culture always is saying it's got to be somebody else's fault. It amazes me how quickly when there's a, uh, some kind of mass shooting or killing at a school, and as horrendous as that is, and I, I'm not trying to paint that in, in a favorable light. Don't, please don't hear what I'm about to say like that. But it amazes me how quickly we are trying to find somebody to blame. It was his past. It was his parents. It was his... It was his internet activity. It was the video games he played. It was, and there's got to be some explanation, isn't there? We can't just sin. and We can't be that wrong and that evil in and of ourselves, can we? Yeah, we can. And there's wrong in the world. And there's evil in the world. And we're not victims all the time. Sometimes we are, sure. But choosing to stay a victim is your own choice. Being a victim of someone's hurt, someone's pain, someone's anguish, someone's inadequacy... Whether it, whether it was a parent or a friend or a coach or whoever that was, sure, those things happen, but choosing to stay a victim is your own choice. And in our culture, though, who, who, who really preys on this idea that, that victims are the ones who, who are um, oppressed and put upon, it's always somebody else's fault. That's the same idea here that Cain had. My inadequacy as, as, as a person of faith or as a follower of God is exposed by my brother's adequacy. My lack of love is, is exposed by my brother's love. My not walking with God is exposed by my brother's walking with God. It's not as if Cain set out to be an evil person, but he didn't realize he was, he was evil until he was exposed to good. You see, as, as we learn to love, obviously and intentionally, that's going to, that's going to expose our culture's inability to do so. And they, our culture thinks they love well. You know why? Because they say so. And he's saying here, love goes far beyond say-so. Love invests. Love is, is it's, it's, it's far deeper than just what we say. Um, believers are called here, in, in, I think, in these first three, four verses, to, to a higher place than just this, this, this thin veneer of verbalized love. He's saying here that, that our actions are, are the thing that, that, that speak to, to who we are in Christ. And um, we're called to help each other. In, in fact, confess and own our own behavior, our own inadequacy, and love each other through the middle of that. We don't do a very good job of that. We do a good job of, saying, of exposing someone else's inadequacy, as just, as, just as Cain's was, was exposed. We don't do a good job of coming along and, and loving somebody else through that hurt, through that pain, through that, that bit of, it, of not loving well. And here, this, this first right out of the shoot, right out of the blocks message of John to say, love always does what's right. Love does what's right. And when we do what's right, the wrong is going to be exposed. I don't like that, but that's the truth. And there, are, there, there, there's wrong in our culture. There's evil in our culture. And the more you and I love like Christ, the more that wrong and that evil is going to be exposed. Now, is that the, the byproduct of love? Yes. Is it, is it designed to, to be off-putting? No, it's designed to be redemptive. <laughs> it's designed for us to see that I'm not loving well because I don't have Christ in me. That's the design to all of this. It's, and Cain missed it. Cain missed the fact that Abel was loving well and living well 
in front of him to draw Cain to God. Cain was off-put, and he was offended by that, and in fact takes the life of his own brother because of his offense, rather than saying, that's where I need to go. That's the God's example I need to follow. So rather than me rise to the occasion, I just pull everybody else down with me, to where I look okay, and I'm suddenly like everybody else. Biblical love always does the right thing, regardless of how hard it is. It does the right thing. Secondly, biblical love does this. It, it empties itself. Biblical love empties itself. Look at verse 16. This is, here's one of those phrases. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his, his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If any one of you has material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Love, biblical love, empties itself. It lives and loves with a sense of abandonment. That's the very picture here that's painted, that Christ abandoned who he was to become sin for us. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was spotless. He walked away from that perfection, that sinlessness, that spotlessness, and abandoned that for the fact that we needed to sacrifice. We needed someone to die for our sins. He says here, Christ laid down his life for us when he didn't have to do that. He did that willingly. He did that of his own accord and because it was the plan of the Father. So this idea of laying down our lives doesn't mean so much that we're willing to die for somebody else, but it means more accurately that we're willing to live for somebody else. We're willing to invest our lives in somebody else's life. We're willing to, at our own expense, empty ourselves into, some, into the life of someone else. It's, it's, um, in fact, for people that I love, and, and, and that's all of you guys, if you didn't know that, I do. I probably don't say that enough because I'm a guy. But for all of you guys that I love, it's far easier. And in fact, for many of you, it would be far easier for me to die for you than live for you. Because if I invest energy and time and effort into you, that, that, that is, is what he's saying here in these verses, is an expression of love far greater than someone's death. Is their investment, that they're emptying themselves of what they want, of their own desires, of their own ambitions, of their own needs, to see that your desires, your ambitions, your needs are met. It's hard stuff to do. Um, but emptying ourselves, laying down our lives, and, and surrendering what we want, really, to submit to the needs of someone else is, is an investment. I mean, it, it's an all-in investment. Um, my youngest daughter, Kinsey, is, is a person like that. She's an all-in person. She's either all-in or all-out. In fact, uh, she used to play that way as a kid. She, we tell this story on her and about her and to her to remind her occasionally that when she was a kid, she used to, when she was playing, she would, there was seldom times she was playing she didn't come back sweaty. And girls don't sweat a lot. But she, she would come back in the house sweaty. She would play hard. I mean, if she was going to play, she was in. She was going to play. And, in fact, one time was... was um, out we used to live where we used to live was beside a church, and their parking lot was between our house. And she she was playing out there, and and uh, her and her sister, and I think the, kid, the little girl from across the street, and they were playing. I don't know what they were playing, riding bicycles or whatever. And she was she was you know toddling around. She was a kind of a toddler at that time, at the, about that age, two ish two ish three ish. Anyway, they were playing outside, and she's just playing, 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 playing. It gets to be about dusk, and she boom hits the pavement. I mean, just lays down right in the, right in the parking lot and goes dead asleep. On the asphalt in the parking lot, just laying there. And that's, she, she plays like that. She lives like that. She's either all in or, go, hope, hope that works for you. I'm not, that's not me. And that's the kind of thing that he's calling us to here to say, 
expend yourself to that, to that degree to where you empty yourself of your own desires, your own, your own ambitions, your own will, your own wants, your own needs even, to empty yourself into somebody else. He said, that's the picture of what Christ did for you. Emptied himself of all of who he was, all of God, to become all sin. Empties himself for you. That's a hard thing to do, to love like that. That's what you and I as believers are called to. Uh, it's, it's, um, that's harder to do if, and he talks about here in, in these verses of our possessions, if we see a brother or sister in need and we have possessions that can meet their need, he says, how can the love of Christ be in us if we don't meet that need with what we have, with, with what we've been given? That's hard to do unless, unless we see all we have as his. It's hard to do if we see what we have as ours. If we see all we own as his, it's a far easier proposition to give that away and invest that into somebody else. If we see it as ours, that we own it, or at least part of it, that's a lot harder proposition to do. But if we see that he possesses all of it, in fact, blessed us with whatever we have and can take it all away <laughs> that quickly, if we see that it all belongs to him in the first place, it's far easier to, to give it to somebody else because it's not, it's not mine in the first place. I'm just a steward of it. I've been handed it by God here. If this will meet a need for you. That's the, that's the very thing he's talking about here in these verses. When we, when we are... When we are willing to live a show-me love, God's all over that. That's what he's saying here. The, the, the opportunity for us to, 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 to go beyond saying, I love you, I care about you, I hope that works out for you, <laughs> to where we say, I love you, and here's, here's evidence of my love is my time, or here's evidence of my love is my possessions, or here's evidence of my love is my home, or here's evidence of my love is... When we start to give away things that are precious to us, that's the kind of thing he's talking about here, of that kind of investment of emptying ourselves and our desires and our own will into the will and desires and dreams and ambitions and goals of somebody else. Um, when we do that, though, he says, you're going to experience the fullness of God. Short of that, love is a thin veneer. In fact, the, the last phrase of verse 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. You know why? Because it's thin. I love you. I love yous are well-intended. He's saying here, nothing wrong with them. They're not evil. Well, let's go beyond. Can we go beyond words or tongue? He's saying in actions and in truth, loving in a way that brings honor and glory to God and loving in a way that elevates his word. That's what he means by actions and truth. When, when, we, when we love in action and love in truth, we become, we become vessels really of the love of God. It's not that we have to generate that on our own because I'm going to tell you, most of us, if you're like me, you don't have that. You don't have that capability. You don't have the strength for it. You don't have the stamina for it. Sometimes you don't have the desire for it. So how do we love emptying ourselves into someone else? God has to provide that. He has to provide the grace. He has to provide the strength. He has to provide the opportunity. He has to provide the will. And he does all of that. He said, I'll, I'll take care of that. Finally, biblical love not only does what's right and envies itself, but the third one is it finds its motivation in truth. Biblical love finds its motivation in truth. Look at verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. There's that phrase again, this is how we know. Verse 20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because, watch this, we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Verse 23, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. What is he saying here in these, in, these, in, in these final few verses? Three things, among others, but at least three. 
He's saying biblical love or Christ-like love is rooted in the Word of God. He said that's, in essence, he's saying that's where your capability to love comes from, is, is my defining what love is for you, and then you living that out. It's rooted in the Word of God. Secondly, it's fueled by the Word of God. He's saying here that uh, it, our, our hearts do not condemn us if we have confidence confidence before God. We receive from him everything we ask because we keep his commands. That's the fuel. That's the engine to our ability to love is it's fueled by the word of God. We understand by the word of God that our capability to love comes from him. Where do we get that? From the word of God. Our capability would would be empty apart from our understanding. That comes from God. I don't have the strength to do it myself. I don't have the stamina to do it myself. I don't have the will or even sometimes the desire to do it myself. Where does that come from? According to the word of God, it comes from him. So it's rooted in the Word of God. It's fueled by the Word of God. And then thirdly, love should reveal the Word of God. It should tell us that our, our, our loving you is, is not of our own desire or not of our own strength, not, not of even our own will. But my loving you and my caring about you and my emptying myself before you has everything to do with God. This is what God has commanded me to do. And I want to be obedient to His Word. Why? Because I know Him, He's saying in these verses. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you need to follow the commands of His Word. What is that? To love one another. To express that relationship with him through your life by loving somebody else. How do I know I belong to Christ? Because I love well. How do I know that I have a relationship with him? Because I express his love into the life of someone else. Into the life of of the believers and those outside the faith. So, how do we know we're living um, here as as he wants us to? Well, the final, that last verse 24 says this. and, and, And he tells us again, here's that phrase again in verse 24. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know by the spirit he gave us. How do I know that I'm following God's will and I'm living where he wants me to live? The spirit in me confirms that to me. The spirit that I received as salvation living in me says, this is how to love that person. This is how to express love to that person. This is how in God's strength and in his time and in his way and through the opportunities and doors that he opens and provides to love them. They'll know my love for them by the way you love them. And I'll open the doors for you. I'll give you the opportunity. I'll give you, I may have already given you the resources. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the initiative. I'll give you all you need to love that person well, but you need to love them. Why? Because I'm in you. And that's my desire is to love them and you to love them and express my love for them through you. How do we know we're loved well? Well, here's, here's the honest truth. If you're not loved well, it's hard to love well. And so whether you're sitting here today as, as a mom or dad, as a parent, as a friend, if you've not been loved well, that's going to be a hard hurdle for you to learn. Not to say that it's not learnable, but it is, learn, it is learnable, but it's difficult. If you've not been loved well, it's hard for you to love well. It's hard for you to get beyond what's been expressed for you and to you. Can you do it? Absolutely you can, but only with the strength that God provides. He says in his word, he says, my word is the root of that. It's the fuel for that, as we just looked at a moment ago. So how do I get beyond that? How do I get beyond that? I I get beyond that by by the truth of the word of God, and I get beyond that by the strength of the spirit of God in me. That's where that comes from. That's where the motivation to to love well comes from. How do I get beyond not being loved well and become a person who loves well? By those two things. So if I'm, if I'm doing that, how do I know, how do I, how do I have that confirmed to me? That's what he says in verse 24. This is how you know. The Holy Spirit says, yes, this is the way to love. He, he reinforces to us, this is exactly how, how I want you to express love to this person. Or, huh, that's a good try. <laughs> but that's just not how I love. I love extravagantly. I love with abandon. I love with selflessness. That's how I love. And so he, he, he confirms that to you or says, no, that's not, that's not how to love. Here's how we need to do that. So um, 
if we're loved well. That's a fairly easy transition. If we're loved well in life, if we're loved well physically, if we're loved well familially through our family, it's, it's an easier transition and easier expression to love others well. If that's not been an environment that we've grown up in, it's a greater, as I say, a greater challenge. But can we do it? Yes, by the presence of our God's Spirit, we can. And that's what we're called to. And in fact, as I say, whether you're here and you're a parent, you're a grandparent, you're, you're an aunt, you're an uncle, those behind you on the path need to be loved well. You know why? Because they'll never learn to love well until you love them well. So if that's a hard hurdle for us to get over, let's take a step today. Let's move in that direction. And you think, you know, I, I just, my parents weren't very affectionate. or, 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 my, or they, It doesn't matter whether your parents were affectionate or not. My parents weren't, weren't all that affectionate either, but I knew I was loved. I mean, I, they didn't ush and goo and, and, you know, all over me all the time, but I knew I, I never questioned their love. You, but you know why that, that, that's a harder, in fact, I've shared this story with you before of, of why I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God gave me girls instead of boys. I would have probably beaten the snot out of boys before they were ever could ever walk. But, but girls, he taught me how to love. He knew that I needed to learn how to love and learn how to express it and learn how to, to make sure the other person knew it. And as, 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 as I've grown in that and as I've kind of matured in love, God gave me the things that I needed to learn how to do that, and he'll do that in every one of us. If we desire those things, if we desire, God, I just don't express that well, I don't do it well, I don't invest in it well, Guess what? He knows that before you do. And he's already in the process of giving you the opportunity to move from there, from where you are, to where he wants you to go. It's so important that, that this, this transition, this generational transition, be a natural part of who we are. That, that if we want our kids to love well and, and be lovers of God and lovers of others, guess what? We need to love them well. And we need to show them how to be lovers of God and lovers of others. Because it's far easier to love from a full pot and an empty pot. Far easier to do that. Can we do it? Yes, because God will give us the strength. But it's far easier to make that transition from the physical to the spiritual, from the carnal to the eternal. It's far easier to make that transition when our, when our love pot is full. And we, we, there's no question in our mind, am I loved? Yes, I'm loved. I know I'm loved by this individual. I know I'm loved by my family. I know I'm loved by these friends. If I know I'm loved, it's far easier for me to squeeze that out into someone else's life. If I'm questioning that, and I feel inadequate, and I feel I don't do that very well. Can I still do it? Yes, but it's far harder. We have to been, been much more greatly on the Holy Spirit in us to love through us. Um, and it, it, sometimes, you know, even, let me just challenge you to, to, to th- think in these terms, because most of you are like me. You're off-put by contrived uh, affection. You can tell when somebody's faking you can tell when they're just kind of blowing smoke with you. And, you're, and, and that, that puts you off, honestly. And it does me, too, from, from time to time. But even if, even if that's the, the transition that we need to make to, to take a step into the arena of loving somebody well, let's take it. Let's take the transition to say, you know what, I don't express this well. I don't do this well, but I'm going to try. And even if it seems initially contrived, I'm going to trust that God, in that contrived way, will by the time it gets from my my mouth or my hands or my wallet or my car or my, by the time it gets from me or the things I have to you, I'm trusting God to communicate love in the way he wants it to. And even if it seems forced or contrived sometimes, I, I want to encourage you to take a step in that direction this morning. Because if you don't love well, and, and, and if, if you're intimidated by the fact that you don't, guess who gets the glory out of that? The enemy. And, and that, that becomes even a stronger foothold that the dec- as decades pass and as generations pass, you find, you find yourself surrounded by family and friends that you know care about you, but never really expressed it very well. 
Never really have shown it. Maybe never verbalized it very little. And you, want, and you, and you feel like you're loved, but, and you feel like you've taught love, but you, boy, if their lives are a reflection of it, it doesn't look very promising. So change that generationally. If that's, if, that's the, if that's the generation that you come from, don't accept that as the norm. Don't accept that as good enough. Don't accept this thin veneer of verbalized love as the way we should express love. He says, no, love is active. It does things. It invests. It empties itself. It, it becomes. It assumes. It's, 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 it's engaged. It's all in. That's how to love. He says, if, if what you've come from is a thin veneer, don't accept that as the norm anymore. Drive a stake in the ground to say, uh-uh. I'm going to start there. Okay, that's, that's my starting point, my reference point. But I'm, I'm, I'm choosing today not to stay there. I'm moving into what biblical love looks like. It invests. It's active. It's intentional. Love, he's saying here in verse, going back to verse 18, that's, that's verbal only is totally inadequate. Uh, but a love that does what's right, that empties itself, and that's obedient to truth, it reveals itself. It makes itself known. It, it becomes obvious. Love, love, when loved well, love does. Love is active. It, 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 is, it is a part of moving. It's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's organic, I guess, to, to, to use a hip term today. It's, it's, it, it, is, it is always moving and it's always being redefined by the fact that we're, we're tread, treading deeper, maybe trep, uh, with trepidation, but we're treading deeper. <laughs> we're loving better. Uh, and the more we do that, the more, the more vulnerable we become, the more exposed we become, the more, and we get that. We need to understand that. But this is what God's called me to. And so if it increases my, my level of vulnerability, if it increases my level of, of, of being out there, you know, and, and my feelings being out there, so be it. Uh, I mean, you know what, you know what vulnerable looks like? Vulnerable looks like kind of what I, what I shared in this week's evening. Vulnerable looks like willingly laying yourself down on the splintered cross. The splinter's going in your back and somebody driving a stake. To you. That's what vulnerability looks like. What's, how do you compare to that? And he was, he was as manly a man as there ever could be. In fact, probably from a standpoint of, of, of physicality as a carpenter was pretty stout, could probably take care of himself. And the guards that came to arrest him in the garden that night, he probably could have taken three or four of them out himself just by the nature of how he grew up and what he did. Um, but that's not who he was called to. He willingly lays himself down and makes himself vulnerable. Why? To say to us sitting here today, and to the friends who need to be loved by you, I love you. And here's how, here's how you know. Here's what that looks like. And I want to show you that today. Jesus is, is not here in the flesh, but I am. And I want to show you that. I want, I, want that to, I want to engage your life to the extent that you don't question that. You don't question his love for you, and you don't question my love for you. That's kind of a hard, hard investment to make. But that's what he calls us to today. So here's this question, uh, and, 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 and kind of a... A little quiz here as we close. The question is this. Am I content to live with a thin veneer when it comes to biblically loving, or do I want to go deeper? And nobody can answer that question for you today but you. You have to answer, am I content with loving the way I'm loving today, or does this description of biblical love today, is that something that God, I really feel that God's scratching my itch today and calling me to, calling me to something deeper, calling me to love with a more engaged, more invested, more in more uh, on it approach than I've loved before. If that's what he's calling me to, then I need to take a step in that direction today. And here's the way I want you to do that. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here to start today. You have three blanks on your page. <clears throat> Number one, two, three. 
What I want you to do is to, to fill in the names of folks that God has already, maybe as, as this message has been unfolding, put on your heart that you've not loved very well. And I want you to, to and you may think of one, you may think of two, you may think of three very quickly. You may think of ten <laughs> very quickly. But what, whatever those first three people that God brought to your mind, these are people, in my world at least, that I need to love better than I've loved. I need to love well. I need to, I need to invest more in loving them well. I need to make sure they know it. I need to make sure they get it. Not only of, of my efforts and energies, but make sure they know of Christ's love in me. I need to make sure they know that. Whoever those three people are, you fill in those blanks. You can start here this morning. You can take it home and, and ponder on that this afternoon and fill it in later this afternoon. But I want to challenge you this week to move from this, this uh, love you by kind of love to moving into something that's, that's far deeper than that. Something that says, I'm in. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what the investment I have to make. I don't care, I don't care what sacrifice I have to, to, to live with to love you well. I'm in with you. And I want you to know that. I want you to get it. And so, and they'll get it. Believe me, they'll get it. You come across that way, and, and God preparing their heart for that already, they'll get it. Then, this first essential that we looked at in week two comes into play. If, I've, if the second essential, if I've heard from the Holy Spirit and he's given me three names, then this first, first essential comes into play and I've got to be obedient. Now, he's given me three names. He's burdened my heart with the fact that I don't love wealth. I need to love more deeply. I need to be more, more invested. Am I going to be obedient to that? Am I going to follow through with what he said and how, and how he's challenged my heart? Well, I hope so. Because you know what? Um, the world doesn't really care about our God until they see him loved through you. They don't care about our God. I'm just telling you they don't. You know what they care about? They care about whether he loves them or not, and they see that from me and you. Um, I fear that what they see from me and you is change before you ever come in these doors, change to be like us, and, and things are okay. Rather than, I'm going to come to where you are. I don't care if you ever darken the door of my church. I'm going to come to where you are and love you well where you are, regardless whether that's ever returned, whether I ever see any reciprocation from that or not. I'm going to love you where you are in the situation you are. I'm going to show you the love that God has for you. You may never darken the door of my church. You may never say a prayer. You may never. I'm going to show you anyway the love that God has for you. And that's the kind of things he's calling us to from this passage. Boy, the body doesn't look like that very well. Uh, your pastor doesn't look like that very well oftentimes. Um, we need to love better than we love. We really do. And a lost world needs to see it. They need to be drawn to it. Um, and they will if we show them. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.